This is KMTT, Kim Yitzion Titzei Torah. Today is Wednesday, the weekly share in Agadot Avraham Avinu. This is Ezra Beck. I have a bit of a cold today, so I hope uh, I'll be able to speak clearly the whole time, and I ask you to forgive me if in the middle of the share I have some problems. Um, <clears throat> we're continuing from where we basically let off. We started Pashat Vayeva two weeks ago, and uh, as we're approaching the end of this series, so I'm skipping a little bit ahead to what, after all, is the culmination and the high point of Avamavinu's life, of Avamavinu's career, and that's Pashat Akedah. And on the Akedah there is an enormous amount of Midrashic material, enough probably to uh, support an entire series. I'd like to comment on one or a few connected Midrashim that deal one with the, the ethical basis of the Akedah, and even more, as we'll see in the continuation, with the psychological ramifications, with how Abba Mavinu deals with the ethical problem of the Akedah. And so, I'm beginning with a um, section that is already at the end of the Akedah, uh, Avamin was about to actually uh, slaughter his son. And the Medrash in Parshan Nunvav, Medrash Hay, in the middle of Medrash Hay, uh, says as follows. B'sha'ah sheshalach avinu Avraham et yado v'kach et ha-machedet l'shchot et b'no b'chu when Avraham Avinu sent forth his hand to take the knife to slaughter his son, at that moment, the angels, the ministering angels of God, began to cry. The mighty ones, Medrash interprets that to mean the angels, they screamed out. We'll see immediately what that word means. It says in the Pasuk, Tsa'aku, the Medrash said, Bachu. So even the Medrash said, Bachu, but we have to interpret it as being not crying in sadness, but crying out in protest. Now the critical word here is the word, Chutza. They yelled, they cried, Chutza. What does it mean, Chutza? Ma'u Chutza. The Medrash says, Ma'u Chutza. What does the word Chutza mean? Rabbi Azar Yamar Chutza, Chitzahu, Brei, the Mechas Yat Brei. Chutza means not outside, but foreign. It is outside to you. It is foreign to you. God, they screamed at God. It's not you. It is foreign to you to have somebody, to cause someone to slaughter his son. This should remind us of what we read last week. Well, the Levinu had used the same expression in the language of the Midrash when speaking to God about what he's going to do in stone. And on the Pasuk HaShofet, Kol Aretz, said, Exact same expression. It is foreign to you to do injustice. So in that context, of course, well, as Avinu, he was trying to save them, he can say anything he wants, uh, with the, all due respect. But here, it's the angels talking. And I think, and this is an important principle, in learning Medrash, the angels are used in the Medrash to ex- express the truth. The simple truth. 
the clearly rational truth. Not always does God agree with the truth. In other words, it's not necessarily the final truth, but it's 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 what a perfectly rational mind would say. And so the angels say to God, and they're not arguing, they say, yat to uh, kill, to cause uh, a son to die. Now it's interesting this Midrash, there's no answer. The Lord's going to answer the Pasuk. In, in stone, God answers Avraham Avinu and they argue for a while. And here it says the angels, the Midrash does not give an answer that God says to them. And I think that means that they're right, but nonetheless, they're wrong. They're right from their point of view. They're right from the point of view of clear rationality. But God doesn't always have to agree. And then the Gemara quotes the continuation of the Perak in Shayyahu, the Medrash, Umayyu Omrim, Nashamu Mesilot, Einavam Kabelt Omrimet Hashavim, Shavat Ova Ovech, after all, Abam Avinu, he's an Ish Chesed. And now he won't be an Ish Chesed. Is he not an Ish Chesed? Shavat Ova Ovech, Hechmad Atama Chadali Yota Sarai, fair Brit, but Pitoa Kimit Yitzrak, and you are not merely treating him badly, but you're breaking your covenant with him. You said, You promised Abraham Avinu that the Brit with Abraham Avinu would be fulfilled through Yitzchak, who's about to die. They said to him, Atma, with astonishment, as a question, what, Abraham Avinu is, is not worthy of being safe in this faith that you're, that you're saying to him? That's the end of the Medrash. That is the end of the Medrash. My point is that this Midrash, what's the point of the Midrash? I think the point is to tell us that it is, in fact, ob- objectively and rationally immoral, ungodly for God to tell Avamavinu to kill Yitzhak. In other words, Chazal did not think that it makes perfectly good sense, but in the end, had decided to mercy on Avamavinu and told him not to go through with it. No, the Medrash is saying that the angels object, they stand in line next to God as Avamin has picked up the Machelot, and they say, Chas v'sham. they don't beg for mercy. They don't say, don't you want to have mercy on Avamin? They say, it is unjust. And if it's unjust, that means that it's anti-God, it's chutzah, it's against God. Ethically, objectively, rationally, the Akedah is impossible. And therefore, God should not do it. Of course, you ask them, why is Abraham Avinu do it? Okay, we'll get to that question. But the Medrash is going to tell us that there aren't, there's no way to quibble your way around the Akedah. It represents an immoral, an irrational action, one that is impossible, from their point of view, to ascribe to God. The Medrash is more or less repeated a page later in Parshan uh, Nunvav, Medrash Chet, um, where it angels gathered in, in groups and groups. What did they scream? The angels say to God, Don't you want Yerushalayim? After all, it's been promised. Yerushalayim, Beit HaMikdash, in other words, Shekhinah Ba'olam, the resting of the Holy Presence in the world, is meant to take place through Yitzchak, and now God doesn't want it anymore. 
such a change of plans, the whole thing is down the drain. Lo chashav enosh, lo amdaz schut l'avraham, let l'chol l'biriya chishubit kadmoi, lo chashav enosh means God did not take into consideration man. So man could mean Avam Avinu, the man, or it could mean any man. The Medrash says both. Lo amdaz schut l'avraham, if Avam Avinu has no merit, then apparently God doesn't care about anybody. As let l'chol l'biriya chashivut kadmoi, that no human being has importance in God's, in God's presence. Okay, the same idea. The angels object on, on, on a moral basis, on a rational basis, to what God is doing. Now I read the Medrash that's a few lines before the one I just read now. And I want to do a little test, one that I have to stand up with because you're not going to be able to answer me in my presence. I've done this very often. When I read this Medrash to Shia, it doesn't always work. I hope it will work now, but each person will know for himself. The Medrash is about to express a tension, an internal contradiction in Avam Avinu's attitude towards the Medrash, towards the, excuse me, towards the Akedah. How, on the one hand, he's very upset, and on the other hand, he's quite happy to do, to follow God's will. In other words, he, he's torn, in other words. He's ambivalent. He's more than ambivalent. He's torn in two different directions. Okay? And the Medrash is going to ascribe this tension to two different parts of Amavinu. To his face and to his heart. Now I ask you, if you were writing the Medrash, and you want to say that Amavinu is happy in one place and sad in another, and those two places are face and heart, heart and face, how would you divide it up? Where is Amavinu? Is he smiling in his face but crying in his heart, or crying in his face and smiling in his heart? Okay, I'll give you 10 seconds to answer. Write your answer down on a little piece of paper, fold it so that I can't see it. And now we'll read the Medrash. If this test worked, you've already written it down. You already have the answer. You will, if it works, then the Medrash will say the opposite of what you expect. I hope. So there should be some surprise involved. And this is what it says in the Midrash. Miyad vayishlach Avraham et yado. Soon as Avraham had tied Yitzchak up, vayyekod, he sent forth his hand to take the sword. As he sets his hand forward to grab the knife, His eyes are casting out tears. And the tears fall from Avam Avinu's eyes into the eyes of Yitzchak, because of the Father's Vachmanas, Father's mercy. Okay, so Avraham Avinu's eyes are pouring out in mercy, and in fact those tears are going right into Yitzhak's eyes. But nonetheless, His heart was happy to do the will of his Maker. And then the Nesh continues, read before, and at the same time the Malachim were gathering and protesting. Okay, the Medrash says that there is this conflict. Abba is crying and happy at the same time. Why does the Medrash express it as his eyes are unhappy and his heart is happy? Because the Medrash uses different uh, metaphors or different pictures than, than we're used to doing. The heart is for Chazal and for the Pesukim, generally speaking, the seat of 
one's wisdom closely, very closely related to what we would call mind. You think in your heart. You talk to yourself in your heart. The person talks to himself, he's talking in his heart. I think the eyes here are expressing the identification of Avraham Avinu. You don't decide to cry. You cry automatically. In other words, the Medrash is saying that Avraham Avinu was sad, meaning he didn't convince himself somehow that this is a good thing. We could imagine, and there have been uh, commentators who, who suggested this, that if you really identify with God's command, then anything God tells you to do, you'll, you'll do happily. Because if God said to do it, it's the, it's the right thing. What's to be sad about? You say, well, we're used to having Rachmanis for children, okay? But Aminu is a great man. The fact that he's been, you know, he likes he likes his Yitzhak on, on a personal basis, but for the greater cause, you identify, you submerge your individual personality into the personality of God. So Medrus says no. After three days on the road, knowing what he's having to do, what he's going to have to do, and struggling, Abba Abinu had not achieved wholeness. He hadn't managed to integrate this terrible command, this horrifying injunction, into his personality. The tears are his basic personality. Avraham Avinu does not identify with what he's going to do. Why? Because Avraham Avinu is a mild individual. And I go back to the angels. There is nothing good about the Akedah. There is nothing good about slaughtering one's child. And if it's foreign to God, it's foreign to Avraham Avinu as well. Because Avraham Avinu is in his, in his, in his I always said it in his heart, Avraham Avinu in his, in his being is totally identified with God. And what finds, what, what appeals to Avraham Avinu is the good things, and what Avraham Avinu detests are the bad things. And therefore there's no way Avraham Avinu is going to smile when he shechts his son. He can't do that. It's impossible. It says though that he was happy in his heart. Your heart is your rational thoughts. Avinu, even though he doesn't know why, he can't understand it, he can't identify. He doesn't try to, he doesn't, maybe he tried, but he's unable to rationalize. I assume he did try, but he's unable to rationalize what he's going to do. But yes, he has perfect faith in God. And therefore, if God has commanded him to do it, then one, he will do it, and two, in his heart, again, in the seat of his, his brain, in the seat of his thoughts, he says, if this is God's will, then then I am, I'm happy that I'm doing God's will. I'm not happy that I'm killing my son. I'm happy that I'm doing God's will. Now this may appear to some of us to be a, 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 a casuistic distinction. I'm not happy to kill you. It's like I'm only happy to do God's will. But I think it's a crucial distinction. The difference is, does Abraham Avinu shecht his son as an immoral individual or as a moral individual? If you're convinced that God is right, and you have to do God's will, then many people would by force of will also convince themselves or they would 
abandon, they, they, they would ignore their basic moral fiber and they would do it smiling. And no tears would be shed. I don't think the message was coming to set of Amabinu, despite Amabinu, was still weak enough to shed tears. If they describe him as crying, they're saying that's a good thing, not a weakness. Avraham Avinu didn't give up his personality even though he had to do God's will. And therefore there's a conflict here. Terrible conflict. And terrible tension. And the tension is expressed in the fact that he is crying and smiling at the same time, which is what the Medrash is trying to say. There is no reconciliation for this conflict. Avraham Avinu is committed to being a moral individual. He's committed to loving his son. He's committed to having Rahmanis for his son. He's also committed to doing God's will even when he doesn't understand it. And that gets divided up between the eyes which naturally, spontaneously reflect. Remember, they're talking about a face here. That's why I, when I addressed the question, I said face, I didn't say eyes. The face of a human being, for Chazal, is a reflection of the inner personality. A panim. Panim means inner. Panim means inner. Panim means face. A, a, a face reflects who, who you really are. If your eyes are tearing, it's because... What we would say is because your heart is crying. But because I won't say heart. If your eyes are tearing, it's because you are crying. You're sad to the deepest sense. It's not, it's not an external thing. Faces are not external. They're not superficial. They're deep. On the contrary, the heart is this island of, of rational thought. It's where I can say to myself, I don't understand, and I'm not going to change, and I, 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 my, my personality remains committed to loving Yitzchak. But, but I agree a hundred percent to do whatever God asks me to do. And therefore, I am terribly sad that I'm killing Yitzhak. But I am happy about one thing. I am doing God's will. I don't know how easy. I, do, I, I know, I can't take that back. It would be extremely difficult to actually have a personality like that. I think most people would go in either one of two directions. Either they would not do something even though rationally they knew that it was necessary and that it had to be done because God's will is always right. They would not do it anyhow because it goes against their nature. In other words, they would not subjugate their nature to their intellect, to their uh, to what they know to be true. And there are other people who if they were convinced something was true, they would tear the Rachmanis out of their heart. They would make themselves cruel. If they knew they had to kill their son, they would make themselves cruel and kill him. And then they wouldn't cry. And we know that takes place psychologically. Once you're convinced, if ideology takes over, true ideology, false ideology, doesn't make a difference. If ideology takes over, then in order to avoid the conflict described in this Midrash, many, many people would simply change their true nature or repress their true nature to such an extent that it wouldn't exist. And then they could go and do it and do it smilingly. But Chazal is saying that there's an enormous difference between the way you put on tefillin and the way you shech your son. If God says to put on tefillin, you smile, you laugh when you do it. If he says to kill your son, you do it. But you do it with tears. Because if you don't do it with tears, then you've given up your own true God-fearing nature. Avraham Avinu, as a religious personality, was moral, was he who 
God said in the beginning of this Pasha will teach his children to go He will teach the whole world the nature of justice and and righteousness. That's Avam Binu's personality as an Ovid Hashem, not as something that coincidentally happens to be brought up as a weak need, soft eyed wimp. No! He's committed. He fought with God just the previous parasha. He fought with God over stone. He's committed to Tzedakah Mishpat. And he won't give it up. He'll just do what God wants anyhow. And this Midrash, you know, the Midrash like that, I think I'm saying that that is really the point of the point of the Akedah. It's not whatever God says is good, so therefore we like it. Even when you know you're wrong, as a moral individual, you have no choice but to believe in what you, what you still know, what you, what you really feel. And Obama Bino is not going to conclude that murder is wonderful and children are ridiculous because God told him to do it. He will do it. Because if God said to do it, it's right. Of course, we know that it's not right and that God never said to do it. Although he did say we'll take it back, and, and anyway, it's not going to take place. We know that. But Vamino doesn't have that luxury. So Vamino has to conclude that a contradiction is taking place here, and he has to live with that contradiction. And he lives with it in the Western the Midrash, and the language of the Midrash by crying and smiling in different places of his personality at the same time. The Midrash continues. After it's over, Vamino begins to question. This whole story is crazy, he says. Yesterday you promised me that Yitzchak will be my future. Then you said to me, go kill him. It was very important to point out that this inner conversation with Avraham Avinu to God takes place after God has said to him, do not slaughter your son. Avraham Avinu doesn't have this conversation with God when he's being told what to do but after it's all over he has the freedom to say you know this makes no sense because it didn't make no sense so God gives him an answer which is really extraordinary and I think people take too seriously because I think God is being somewhat humorous here God says to Abraham Avinu I never tell anything that's unsure I don't change my mind he didn't change his mind he told Abraham Avinu to Shech and he said don't Shech no, I think we learned this in second grade. Some we take it seriously. God said to Avraham, "I never told you to slaughter him." I said, "Bring him up as a as an offering." That means to drag him up the mountain. Bring him up close to me for love. You did it when you brought him up the mountain. So I think it's clear. I think it's ridiculous for anyone to think this measure is trying to say that God said to Avinu, wow, you made a mistake, you never understood me. So Avinu in the morning had got up and said, God didn't tell me to shech, he just told me to bring him up and took him up the mountain and could come down, the whole story of the Akedah would be meaningless. Avinu understood it correctly. It wasn't mean correctly. The only way it could be understood. The measure is making a technical point. God didn't actually outright lie. But he didn't sleep. We have a good reason for doing it because he wanted to set Avraham Avinu for a test of what do you do when you have the comfort that we've been describing. 
But in fact, God's true will never was and never will be for slaughter your own children. And then, quotes a pasuk in Yumiyao, Velo alta alibi ze Yitzchak. Story there of human sacrifice. And God says, Lotziviti velo amauti, I never commanded any such a thing, I never said such a thing. It never even, Lo Allah alibi, it never even was a thought in my heart, so to speak, of God. Ze Yitzchak. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that God never said it. And he never meant it. Never really meant it. He knew he was going to stop our money at the end. He never identified. God never wanted human sacrifice. Why? Because back to the original point we made with the Malachim. Because it's really wrong. It is not in God's nature to demand such a thing. It is anti-God, anti-moral, immoral and irrational. And therefore, understanding that's what God wanted is in fact a misconception. A perfectly natural and even correct misconception where you receive the direct command from God using normal Hebrew that says Vahaleya, which means to sacrifice and not to merely raise up. But God has explained to Vamavino that you should not continue your struggle the last three days to try to figure out how, under what circumstances, it would have been the correct thing to do. Now, I'm telling you now the truth. I never wanted you to do it. It was always incorrect. And therefore, your eyes told the truth. The fact that you were unable to convince yourself is a good thing, because there was nothing to be convinced of. The fact that you were sameach lasot mitzon yotzvah, that you were happy to do the will of your maker, is also a good thing. Because a person should follow God's will even where he is convinced 100% that it is wrong, if he, assuming he knows what God's will really is. So that it's explicit, as was the Bamavino. In this case, I just must want to point out the Rambam, who says that one of the things we learn from the Akedah is the undeniability of true prophecy. Well, if I have a dream at night, and someone comes to me and says, go blow up uh, the house next door, when I get up in the morning, I don't do it. Why not? Because I say, it's a dream. It was false. Raman says, if there was any possibility of denying the truth of true prophecy, Raman would not have done it, because he knows it's wrong. So he would have said it was a nightmare. Apparently, in a way that's indescribable, because if it was describable, it would also be imagined, one that would also be dreamable. But in a way that's indescribable, true prophecy confirms itself. And therefore, Raman knows that it's God's will, knows absolutely that it's God's will, even as he also knows that it's the wrong thing to do, and therefore the stage is set for what we for what we described. And I just want to conclude with one last midrash. It's not directly connected to this, but it's the next step. Avraham Avinu then sacrifices a ram instead of Yitzchak, and by Isa Avraham et he sees a ram whose horns are entangled in the bushes and he sacrifices that uh, ram. And then, Avraham Shem Hashem calls that place God will see as is said today in the mountain of God he will be seen. He will appear. What does it mean? Hashem Yireh or Hashem Yireh Hashem few interpretations of Midrash. I want to read the last one. 
דבר אחר, מלמד שהראה לו, השם, בהר השם יראה, means that Abraham Avinu at this point, on the mountain of God, Mount Moriah, where he had just almost sacrificed Yitzhak, and was given a vision, הר השם יראה, it will be seen by me. What did he see? מלמד שהראה לו הקדוש ברוך הוא, בית המקדש, חרב ובנוי, חרב ובנוי. First Chareb might be a mistake. Many, usually it says, Banui v'charev u'banui. If it says, Charev u'banui, Charev u'banui means now, when he was there, without prophetic vision. He saw there was no Beit HaMikdash. Prophetically, he saw the Beit HaMikdash being built by Shlomo HaMelech. He saw it being destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar HaRasha, Shrek Tamia. And he saw it being built once again. Even though we know there should be another cycle. It should be Banui Charev, Banui Charev, Ubanui. The Medrash concludes with simply the principle of cyclicity. He saw it being built, he saw destruction, and he saw it being rebuilt. Shenemar, Shemar Komahu, Hashem Yerae, Hari Banui. Shalosh Pamim Mashana Yerae. So the word Yerae. He saw that Hashem Yireh means he saw the Adirah Regal, where it says, Bahar Hashem Yireh. Asher Yemeh Hayom Bahar Hashem, Hari Charev, Shinemar Al Har Tzion Shashamim. Asher Yemeh, reminding them of the word Shimama. Banui Mushukhal Al Tid Lavo, Kinyan Shinemar, Kibana Hashem Tzion, Nireh Bechvodo. Rabbi Mavino at the Akeda. Surely the end of his of his actual career. It's not the end of his life. He has another uh, almost forty years to go. But he doesn't do anything. This, this is the end of Avraham's career as an av, and he's vouchsafed a vision of the future. Well, that's not so extraordinary. But Chazal saved this extraordinary vision for the pinnacle of a forefather's. Life and career. Beit HaMikdash Banui, Charev Ubanui. The fullness, the tragic and magnificent fullness of Jewish history. Having reached this point in Abba Vino's life, having done what he had done, and now the mantle, of course, is passed over to Yitzchak. So Abba Vino, at this moment, a few seconds before, he thought that maybe it was all lost. There is no future at all. And now, Bahar Hashem when you go to the place of the Beit HaMikdash, so you see the Beit HaMikdash, you see Nebuch, the destruction, the flames burning in the Beit HaMikdash, but you also see Banui Latid Lavo, you see the future rebuilding, the permanent rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash in the same place, just as you saw the flames conquering the building, you see the building rising up and transcending, transcending the flames. And that is more or less the end of Avraham. The very next Midrash says that Avraham Avinu retires on his own will. The angel says to God, The angel swears to God that God will take care of him. Why is it necessary for a Shvua? So the Midrash answers, 
אמר לו, אברהם אבינו said to the angel, הישבה לי אותו God, שאין אתה מנסה אותי עוד מעתה. After the Akedah, אברהם said to God, I do not, I ask you to swear to me, there will be no more nisyonot. I passed this one, but I cannot take any more. And that means that Avam Inu's life was Nisyonot. Esa Nisyonot. Ten trials. If this is the last one, then there's nothing more to happen. So he will live on, enjoy life, but as Avam Avinu, the forefather, Avam Avinu's life ends with the vision that we just described. Beit HaMikdash Banoi, Vecharev, Ubanoi. Kol Tov.